And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, can I get one more? Nope, that's it for tonight. I'm just getting, like, warmed yeah, up, adjusted. me too. Me too. So, that's it. All right. That was not enough. I agree, but uh, we get an extra one, so you'll get plenty next week. Yeah. All right, thanks. Peace. All right. This sucks. Hot too, right? I was just trying to feel comfortable. You wouldn't let you play anymore? Did you ask him? <laughs> now we got to sit for two more hours. And then we got to sit for two more hours because the game. Sit another hour and a half to get to the airport. So that's three and a half. Then we got to sit another four and a half for the flight. So that we're already at seven and a half hours. Then another hour and a half to get back to Oxnard. It's preseason for you. So a lot of, that's like nine hours of just sitting. Yeah. Uh, this sucks. All right, it's Hard Knocks time, Cowboys Nation, season 16, episode one of Hard Knocks, season three for your Dallas Cowboys, episode 141 for the About Them Cowboys podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kent producing, and we've assembled quite the suicide squad here to break this thing down. Hopefully we'll be able to keep them together uh, for the foreseeable future, but if you've seen the movie, you know how that goes. And uh, I'm just going to get things started. Without further ado, from The Athletic, slash the ticket, Saad Youssef, from The Eagle, Kevin K.T. Turner, from The Athletic, Father John Mishota, and for the first time, I've tried to have him on a bunch of times, but uh, every text kept getting returned, who is this? So, um, I'm glad he finally figured it out. It's Jeffrey time, everybody. Jeff Cavanaugh is here. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Kent. Thanks. Uh, yeah, once I got your number saved, no problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. just, yeah. you know, it was I get probably real pretty weird. creepy for a year or two when you're just getting uh, cre- creepy messages. No. Um, but man, good to have you. Uh, of course, Jeff from the fan. You follow him at JC1053 on Twitter for all things, uh, all good Cowboys things, I should say. Um, he, he's got all that. Um, my, one of my favorite follows of Cowboys Twitter among all of the. Uh, all the swarm of people out there. He he brings the heat. So glad to have him here to break down hard knocks. KT, I've sent you a bunch of cuts to get to. So uh, let's just. Uh, I guess we could just start at the beginning. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a. I think that's the thing to do. And it is. It is an honor to to be broadcasting with Jeff again. It feels like it's been oh, forever. Yeah. Um, like the draft show. I thought Dak and Dak's. You guys know how I feel about Dak. You know I love Dak. It did feel like Dak was a little pouty in this episode. Now, I know that's a, a narrative feature that HBO kind of went with, but Dak was really pissed off about not being able to practice, and we've got, uh, we've got the audio to prove it, of course. All right. Uh, okay, GPS today, Dak Prescott, okay? Um, what was he, Brita, 5? 75. 575, that's, that's, that's way too high. The plan for him was just watch him. He was, he was way up. Let's make sure we're 
We're on top of these cats, okay? That 575 number is a cowboy's metric of Dak's practice activity. And 575 is too much too soon. I don't know what the fuck they took me out for them reps for. I sat out enough. I'll let y'all know if I'm fucking sore or something's bothering me. I will. I'll fucking take them all. I ain't never asked you to get in. I'm not. Nice took me out for four fucking plays. And fuck, I've been out long enough. Okay. I don't know what this says about me, but like, I love every other word being an F-bomb. I don't know why, but, and I know that there's people like, because I had to write a five things, like a takeaway off of, you know, the first episode. I know there's some people that think that it's like overdoing it and like HBO and whoever, they just throw all of that in there for no reason. I love it. I love that like authenticity of it because that's how football players talk. I mean, how, I mean, if we're not, I don't know, like even before we started recording this, this is, that's how I talk. Um, so I loved all of that. You know, and I like seeing that side of Dak and I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a doctor and, and I don't know. Um, I don't want to go too far down this path, so don't hold me to this. But uh, you watch that first episode. Yeah, that that to me, read between the lines. That's a guy I'll be getting some uh, cortisone shots in the arm if he doesn't think that that uh, arm is going to be good to go for regular season games. He'll be out there for those regular season games that that. He'll be out there as long as there's nothing stru structurally wrong there. All these tweets I've been seeing about a second MRI and things like that as we're recording this. Oh, that's a guy that will be playing through some pain if he has to. Now, that might affect his throwing in that. But you, my big takeaway from that is, you know, Dak's not messing around. And I think he would have been like, I mean, he's got so many reasons to be like this. Not just the coming off the injury, but um, there's this uh, contract he kind of signed in the offseason that he's been heavily scrutinized. You know, people that don't think he deserved that much money, things like that. There's plenty of motivation for him to, to be playing. So as long as there's nothing structurally wrong, that little first episode showed me that's a guy that'll get shot up if he needs to. Yeah, and I, I like the I like the I guess intensity or whatever his attitude that he brought, and I also think it's authentic. Like I don't think he's playing this up for the HBO cameras or anything. Like I just think John, like you said, football players like this. And by the way, it's not NFL football players. Like go down to high school. This is how everyone is. So. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it's nice to see Dak feel that way. Also, there was a moment, um, th the fact that, you know, he had to sit out practice. There was a moment, I think, uh, later on where uh, they were doing the mojo moments. I know we'll get to that. But they were doing that, and, uh, and the offense was going against the defense. And I think the first pass they showed was Danucci throwing it out of bounds. The second one was like CeeDee Lamb's one-handed catch. The third one was Garrett Gilbert just falling on the ground in the pocket. And then the fourth one was Danucci throwing another pick. And so, hey. like, Dak's going to be there. <laughs> so when all this is going on, our good friend Bobby Belt, who wasn't there, is texting me because he's like, how come you're not posting that many videos? <laughs> and I'm like, Bobby, there is nothing to post off this because that's that first practice when Dak got her. I, and and. I'm texting him. I'm like, well, Mauer's looking at Dak right now. So I don't know how many videos I'm going to be getting off of this. Because believe me, if Dak's out there with CD in that, I'm trying to put a 15, 20 per practice. We don't get very much opportunity to do this. But I'm watching that stuff go down. I'm just like, where am I going to post this? Yeah. I, I didn't think Dak had to be a dick to Garrett Gilbert, though. He was just explaining, <laughs> hey, man, just doing what I'm told. 
he's kind of mean to him. Um, I, I guess uh, what we've learned here is that Dak, if he's pissed, you don't want to kind of be in his be in his area because he when he was mad, he was mad. I was offended. I was offended by the language. I just want to get that out there. Um, I think that football is a team sport that is watched by families. And if you're out there just, you know, fucking along with that word, that ain't right. It's wrong. Are we allowed to say it? Hey, man, why'd you say it? Okay. Well, I don't ever get to say cuss. You're not on the radio, Jeff. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I don't ever get to say cuss words. So, like, I'm just, I'm trying to feel it out right now. I'm trying to feel things out. How about, how about the fact that he drops all those f bombs, but then when he feels it in his arm, he says "son of a biscuit." Like, yeah, if it yeah. seemed like because that's my big thing. Like when I was watching that when it that, went on, yeah. he never looked like you know because so many people when it first happened wanted to compare it to baseball pitchers when all of a sudden the guy just stops and then all okay here we go here comes the manager here comes some trainers like this guy might be done Tommy John here we go. But you at least in those situations, you see some like type of like grimacing in that. And Dak never seemed like that that entire practice. He never seemed like he wanted to even leave practice. He was just kind of like, I'm not going to throw, but I'll stay back here. And I'm glad that they got the behind the scenes of that stuff going on. But he just never looked like he was in any type of serious pain when he was standing there with Jim Maurer, which I thought they would have more of that in there of the workout that's like how he, he was working out his arm while that was going on because it went on for like several minutes and he never seemed to be in a lot of pain. And then same thing with, like I said, for him to say son of a biscuit, I guarantee you he didn't think it was anything serious at the moment. I, can I sneak in one thing just real quick? Cause I know it's blasphemy to ever think that uh, coach McCarthy is like capable of being a coach. I know it's like the rules. You just have to kick him in the junk all the time. No, not at all. And I saw like the reaction to the episode was like people were, like like it was like negative on McCarthy and I'm like for what yeah I don't like understand the trainer that. was gonna let Dak just stand out there all day and the head coach was like bro how about we go check on our quarterback and start treatment and how about we don't put miles on our running back who you've run into the ground for a half decade and like everything in there I was like oh that's a NFL head football coach. Well, you, you, you know, well, you know, what's interesting about that, Jeff, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, th- one of my little takeaways from th- that whole thing and really the entire show is that uh, there's a lot of middlemen that have to do the yelling and the telling of things going on. It's like Doug Nussmeyer, tell Dak he can't tr- you try and take him up for like limit him like a three or four snaps. I don't want to have to tell him this. Jim Maurer, you tell him that he has to go to the locker room. I'm not going to tell him this. OK, Dak, what are we doing here? All right. All right, somebody, are we going to tell him that he's got to go to the locker room right now? That's okay. kind of a, it's kind of a Garrett thing, you know? It's kind of like, you tell Jason Witten to come off the field, you know? McCarthy well, seems to have the balls to do it. That, that is kind of nice. Yeah. Honest, and, and another one of my takeaways that I could see, like, a lot of people not even caring about or whatever, but, and this is kind of a generic thing to say, but, like, I wanted to know who he was talking about when he said to CD, yeah, your boy keeps taking me out. Because I don't think that he's talking about I don't think he's talking about Nussmeyer or Kellen Moore, but maybe that's just me. Mike McCarthy is CD's boy. I, I, I no, no, no. I took it more in, in that, like how you just say that to somebody kind of like, I hate, I hate saying it like this. Cause I don't want people to think that this is what I'm saying is going on there. But like for me, example, like only me as an example, if I'm telling you guys this, if all of us in this room don't like anybody be like, it's always like, Oh yeah. Hey, did you see your boy earlier today? Oh uh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can name a couple of people I talked that way about. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I I do think like the other thing about this though is that whether it's McCarthy or whoever, it's 
It is interesting because if you just watch that episode, you would feel like maybe they didn't communicate great with Dak about the fact that he was going to be sitting out reps, which, and I don't know if that's true or not. Cause I also think that's the way Dak would respond regardless. If you told him, Hey, yeah. GPS readings, these are the numbers, your usage was too high. You're going to get less reps. I still think the gamer is going to be standing on the sideline. Like this is bullshit. Like I can play football, but somebody just needs to tell him, Hey, got news for you. You had a second surgery because you don't know how to chill out and check yourself. Hey, your arms hurt right now because you didn't know how to chill out and check yourself. Like it's a great problem to have. You work too hard, bro. And it's hurt you multiple times. So you're going to do exactly the amount we let you to do because you're worth $160 million. So chill out. It shows you Dak is not the yes man that he had to be in 2016, 2017, maybe 2018. He ain't that anymore. It tells man, none of those guys want to have a difficult conversation with Dak because they don't want to deal with pissed off Dak. I also don't get the sense that this quarterback and coach will be going to any SMU basketball games or any Duke basketball games. Uh, no. Thank um, God. Now, let's do uh, let's Yeah, let's uh, you kind of alluded to it, Jeff. We'll do cut to you here, Kent. I did like Mike McCarthy basically telling Stephen Jones that you're crazy for giving Zeke an extension. <laughs> now, what do you think about Zeke? I don't even think we should run him this whole camp. I mean, he's got the guys, you know, you know, he's he's up there and carries, you know, career wise. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with. You. Yeah. Spot on. You feel like he's in great shape, don't you? He's, he's, yeah, he's much better shape this year than last year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, he's over nope. the hill as a runner. I don't understand. Career wise, he's, he's good. Yeah, he don't he don't need any more carries. He's he's gold. <laughs> yeah, let me say this about Zeke though. I, of all the stuff that we saw from from all the footage, I, I don't know if it's just you know just practice or whatever, but he does look a little smoother catching the ball. Like, in the past, like, it's always, like, you know, I've always said, like, he's not a pass-catching running back. Like, he's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not those guys. You, you throw him a screen or two, it's fine. But it looked like he, like, you know, you, you had that over-the-shoulder catch in the right corner of the end zone. You had the wheel routes, and he looked to at least be catching it like like his hands weren't a couple of bricks. So, that's better. Something I wanted to get out of on this whole thing, and I didn't know when we would talk about it, but I figure I'll just throw it in right now, is uh, the debate between... Do you want the show to be about all the stars or are you one of these people who I can't stand who's like, I wanted to hear more about the guys at the bottom of the roster. Cool. I would be fine with 53 minutes of them just following around Ezekiel Elliott doing like regular everyday life activities that have nothing to do with football. And that would be more entertaining to me than Let's go into the let's go back to the hotel room with two receivers that have no chance of ever making this roster or another one in the NFL. Like I don't like that about hard knocks, but judging by some of the stuff I saw after it, people were like missing that. Do you guys care about that? I want no. it to either be relevant or entertaining, and I would skew on the side of big names. Like I know, I believe what audio we're going to play next, and it was the biggest waste of time on the entire show. I wish I got those couple of minutes back, uh, and we're <laughs> gonna not. We're gonna want these couple of minutes back too, or maybe somebody was entertained by it. Like if a coach is having a meeting and you want to have people like behind the scenes in the meeting, and the coach is legitimately hilarious. If you're gonna give me Bob Wiley with the Browns right. with his giant gut. Hut, hut, 
and we're watching his gut bounce. That's hysterical. But I feel like there was in fifty whatever minutes, I feel like about twenty of it was filler. It was a let. And it, was like, a pretty, it was a letdown considering they had. I feel like a lot of a lot of time. I feel like it. There, there should have been more juice there, um, but maybe they're saving it. I don't know. Yeah, but on that topic of big names versus not, I, absolutely, I want the big names, and I think you do a good. You have to do a good job of sprinkling in the the smaller ones. Like I think the way that they showed Isaac Alcorn, the, the offensive lineman, wanting cake. Like, look, that guy's not going to make the roster. It's fine, but it was funny because you show Dak getting hit with cake, you show birds eating cake, and then you show this big lineman saying he wants cake. And I think that's like you know those little moments with the no namers are fine, but I do think. I want most of it to be with the big names. Yeah, I'm talking about like the. I'm not even going to throw out a name because I don't want to be held to this. Like Danny Amendola calling their mom about how like mom, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah, Yeah, dude, you're not going to make it. You have Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup ahead of you, and even if they get hurt, there's another three guys ahead of you. You're not going to make the team. Sorry, like I don't even need. I don't need five seconds of that, much less you know three four minutes of it. That's my problem with Hard Knocks. I like Hard Knocks over the years of. It should be a 30-minute show. I've always thought it should be a 30-minute show. I don't care about the halftime speech that Dan Quinn's giving in the first preseason game. Like, let's Talk just about have F-bombs, man. That, that, was, that was the only time in the whole thing and the, the whole show that I actually noticed the F-bombs. Like, all the other ones, like Dak and everything, is just like part of life. Dan Quinn just went, went rattled them off every other word. Those bad boys uh, too up in there. Over, overall, though, I, I really like. I'm. I disagree with Jeff a little bit on the filler part, and I. And again, I, and it's going to be just. It's very subjective to whatever you want, or whatever. But like, I came away like loving that first episode. Like, I'd give it an A. Like, I loved every minute of it, even though, like, if we're going to talk about you know the John Fossil thing, like, do I care about that conversation? No. But I also get where, like, from a producer standpoint, you're like, whoa. This guy's really talking. We got to put at least a few minutes of this in here. Like, I can't. Did you hear what they were talking about in there? Like, okay, well, we got to, you know, and the bike stuff. I mean, I understand you got to like, do I really care to see them all riding those stupid bikes around? No, not really. But I can see people that think that's funny and things like that. Like, I don't know. I didn't think that there were too many wasted moments, to be honest with you. I was actually really impressed. I didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. So. He's in HBO's pocket. John Machotis, he's on HBO's payroll. I'm really I'm really not. I mean, <laughs> anybody that we were when we were at training camp, my biggest takeaway after the first two or three days, and I said this to Hellman uh, a bunch. I thought maybe I said it to you, Jeff. I can't remember now, but like I was like, I saw so many producers, so many boom mics, so many cameras around. I was like, if they don't get good stuff. This group has completely failed because there's they have so much access and they don't and they get to go on the other side of this fence that we used to be able to go on that we can't anymore. And when I mean the fence, I mean like to go back to basically everywhere in the show when they're riding the bikes around. We used to be able to walk around there. We can't do that this year. And I was like, oh, they have all this stuff. Like they have to get good stuff. And honestly, what they got off that first episode, I was like, eh, they got some pretty damn good stuff. You know what's um two things. Uh, about the, the the halftime speech that you mentioned with Quinn, it's cool to see Kellen Moore coaching. I don't feel like I've seen him actually coaching players. I feel like we've you know done press conferences with him and seen him on the sideline, but to see him actually what he would be like if he was a head coach is is pretty interesting. So maybe we'll get some more of that. And you know, you talk about an hour long episode here. The one moment everybody talks about the most was two seconds of Jerry <laughs> sprinkling salt on a McGriddle. 
That's that was the headline for this episode. Was Jerry likes to put salt. salt Jerry, first of all, Jerry eats McGriddles, and then Jerry likes salt on his McGriddles. <laughs> so that just shows you the Cowboys. Mm, I think if you're talking about like the quick hit GIF, I'd say that's the biggest takeaway from the show. Yeah, I personally believe if we that's did what some was type trending of like, on on Twitter, uh, number one. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's because that's a quick hit, and and you can put that video up real quick. I think the biggest takeaway, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, was. Seeing McCarthy and Dex's relationship and being like, "Ooh, these guys aren't as close as I thought they were." I thought that was the biggest takeaway. Mm, yeah, that's that true. is a real journalist takeaway. <laughs> like, that a- being your takeaway makes me really glad I'm not a journalist because <laughs> my biggest takeaways would be the how much Dak hates watching the that you now have a Dak on the other side of the ball, although probably not quite as mature and Micah Parsons, like the phone talk with Dan Quinn, where it really sounds like a kid asking his dad to stay up late, where he's like, no, but I wanted to watch the end of the game, dad. And the dad's like, I know you did, son. You can't. Sorry about that. Like it would be that, that and Jerry to me were the three highlights of the episode. Uh, yeah. What a, you're, you are such a journalist. He's looking for storylines, man. That's what it is. Yeah. It yeah, was the I'm most interesting the one humor. to me. Yeah. Cause the Micah Parsons thing, like, I don't know, I guess it's all about where you set the bar. And my bar was already pretty set on where he was going to be a major part in this, just because I had watched all of that, uh, Hey rookie going into the draft where he was a pretty big, I mean, I, th- I thought he stole the show and that had, uh, you know, like Justin Fields and Kyle Pitts and, I think JC Horn was on there and uh, I just saw the way his personality was. And then after he got drafted, I knew he was going to ma- be a major part. I did not think there would be that phone conversation. That was a great, great part too. I forgot about that Jeff. That is a good one too, but uh, uh, no, it's, it's Dak McCarthy for me. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, it's, it's, it was, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording. I said it was Dak McCarthy for me too, um, where, you know, just to see that Dak wasn't very amused with McCarthy's little jab, uh, you know, about the mojo moment, whatever, like, just general things like that. And, you know, the Parsons call was like, I did think Micah Parsons was another takeaway. I like the call, but I really like, I was really, I don't know why, but I was just amused with him sitting on the bench and calculating how much time he's going to be sitting for the next like nine hours. He was just like going through block by block. And I thought that His was His math was off a little bit early, but he was in the ballpark <laughs> at the end. Yeah, he got there. <laughs> you know what else is kind of funny about the show? I went back and watched it uh, a second time. And just to go back and like kind of see the way that they film certain things and do some, if you're ever bored and you want to go back, just go listen to that music that they play when Dak says the like son of a biscuit thing. Like it is such a like a movie like drama, like boom, 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 boom. And like all of a sudden you're just like, whoa. Oh, I thought uh, you yeah. play it. I do. Yeah, can't where do you... Yeah, go ahead. It gets real serious. Wait, Son of a biscuit. I'm going to take Dak out. What happened? He's got strength. He said he o-line, felt it D-line yesterday D-line. doing a throw. And he thought he could just warm up, but he's feeling it now. And he feels it when he follows through. So I just took him out. He's staying out here, but I took him out of throwing. What do you think of this? I, I don't know. It's like, it's not his biceps, not his tricep, but it, it could be a little bit of his lat. But I don't want to overanalyze it out here. But he can't. He tried to warm up, and he said it just can't follow through with, you know, full force. So you think it's muscular? I do. I think it's a muscle strength. Oh, God. That? Oh, God. Oh, God. That music is the buildup to an army that has you severely outnumbered (laughs) and your fortifications suck and they're coming over the hill and cresting the rise and you realize it's impending doom on the horizon. That's good. That's good. 
Oh, God. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, what else do you want to play here, Kent? I'll just kind of take it over in order. Yeah, let's play the uh, other clip of McCarthy talking about Dak that we referenced earlier. Here we go. What's the gain to keeping Dak out here? I'm sorry? What's the gain to keeping Dak out here? He wanted to be out here. That's all. He said I want to stay out. Wait, can we get him in examine him and start treating him? We want us to. What, why don't you go in and get an exam and get, just get the treatment started? Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I appreciate you want to be out there, but let's, let's just get, find out what we got. Yeah, if what it takes to be like tight with Dak is to let Dak do what he wants, then I hope that Mike McCarthy and Dak do have a relationship that is coach to player and not homies. Because that makes all the sense in the world. Like the trainer was afraid to tell the quarterback, oh, you're done practicing? Let's go examine and treat. And the head coach had to tell the trainer, why is he still here? He's hurt. Okay, hold up. Go hold find on, out what's wrong with my quarterback. Th- th- this is in high school, though, man. Like, it's way different when you're dealing with guys that are making the money that they are. They don't want to hear from some trainer. Like, they don't, like, Dak, Dak doesn't care what that trainer has to say at that, at that moment like that. He's going to need... Unless it's something where he's like telling him like, hey, this is bad. We need to get in there and look at it, right? Like, obviously, he's going to listen to the trainer when his ankle is pointing east and west. But I'm saying on something like that, like, 
if he wants to be out there, if he doesn't think it's something serious, but it's him being out there with the team is more important to him. I don't, I don't think the trainer wants to get involved with that unless he thinks it's something that's like real serious. Like, Hey, this might be like some AC joint thing. We need to get you in there right away. But I got three problems with Dak. three. He works too hard. He's too good a leader and he's too good a teammate. We got to make him worse in all those categories. Like I, you know, I just want to be out here for the it's team. Like the, I care too much. Uh, that's yeah, my, my main flaw is I care too much. Yeah. I, I, I know you're. I know you're joking. I know you're joking a little bit, but I, from what I've seen over the last year and a half, and I think that many people could draw that same conclusion from just watching this one episode. This team needs Dak Prescott as a leader more than any other Cowboys yes. team that I've covered. Yeah. No, well, you know what my read on that, though, was initially, and maybe a little different for you guys who were actually there. My read on that is Jim Maurer's been with the Cowboys for a long time, and it was more of like, well, we don't need to pull him off the practice field in front of everyone and then alert the media that Dak is hurt and that we've got a big story. Yeah, they never find Dak- out the next day when he well, doesn't throw a football or during well, you know, practice when he doesn't throw a football and well, Michaud staring at him. Well, maybe they wouldn't right. because what if you went – but at the time you didn't know. What if you go in and realize there's nothing wrong and they're just scaling Dak back? And that's the thing is McCarthy's like, oh, no, we'll just send him in in front of everyone. And I was like uh, – and there was a part of me that thought Jim Maurer was going, hey, dude, it's the Cowboys. It's a little different here. We need to protect our players from the media for a second. Now, I could be wrong until I read it. The other thing I would say is you were talking about the coach-to-player relationship. Dak is definitely not the guy that McCarthy coached in Green Bay, but I can't tell you how many times over the years before he had even won a Super Bowl that Aaron Rodgers on fourth and one is looking at McCarthy and going, fuck you, do not bring the punt team out here. We're going for it. What do you think? What do you think Rodgers thought about the mojo moment? (laughs) Just the look. uh, Oh, I guarantee I hated it. (laughs) Yeah, but Uh, but better than the never. Never mind. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, let me just say this also about Jim Maher. Like, just watching from afar, especially throughout this episode in this training camp, it also just feels like McCarthy delegates and, and you know, like you said, there's a lot of middlemen. Like we saw that clip where, you know, Jim Maher's there and he's telling the he, – he's given the report and, and McCarthy's like, anybody have questions for Jim? Like, you know, you have these moments. I think Jim – Jim Maher's just doing his job. He told McCarthy – that this is what's happening with Dak. If you want to pull him off the field, or if Dak wants to pull him and get off the field, you can, but it's minor enough to where it's not my call that I'm going to pull him off. So I think he's just kind of doing his job, really. Um, and, and, and you know, I, th- I agree with both, all of you guys. I think McCarthy made the right call. But I think it's McCarthy's call to make, not really Jim Mars to make. Yeah, if Jim Mowers pulls Dak off the field, then McCarthy's like, where's my quarterback? Right. Why isn't exactly. he out here? He can at least watch practice and be involved you know it's one of those things right. yeah so i mean he's been doing this for a long time right. too. i mean he's an award-winning trainer it's not like this is some guy that they just well it's a new trainer mccarthy hired that he knew from some previous high school or something i mean he's been doing it for a long time i'm with i was gonna say i'm with you though uh jeff on the you know, i expected a lot more juice on making fun of mccarthy out of this episode but i came out of it like wow that guy kind of is leading the hell out of this thing, at least what it, what it seems like um, from now, afar. I know, and I know KT has a perspective on this, and he'll laugh at him, and I know I work with two people who think that McCarthy doesn't work hard, but like when KT says the fourth and one thing, here's the things that I know for a fact about McCarthy. 
that McCarthy, for all the he's a stupid caveman, <laughs> is ahead of whoever your favorite team is on analytics, probably 90% of them. He's up to date on the GPS numbers. He goes to the data guys after every practice. He knows the numbers on fourth and one and two and three. He'll be aggressive in that regard. I know that he knows those things. So if Kellen Moore is going to run your offense and Dan Quinn's going to run your defense, I'm going to come across as the guy who like loves Mike McCarthy because my opinion of Mike McCarthy is, I don't know, he failed miserably at hiring people in his first year here and they had to fire everybody he hired. So in that regard, bad. But in terms of is he capable to be an NFL head coach who's not running a side of the ball, a lot of the things about him I think say yes. I I do not think at all uh, that he does not work hard. I think that this is a weird phrase I'm about to use. I think that he might not work correctly or specifically. I think it's very vague. What he's kind of he Jim Coachy. He's very Jim Coachy. Yes, and that's irritating in a league where I feel like the coach can give you an advantage. But again, if we are just letting Kellen and Dan Quinn, like you said, do their thing, then you kind of just have to sit back and be okay with it. I I I don't think McCarthy's dumb guy either. I just don't feel like I I don't feel like he's got any. There's nothing that he brings to the table to me that gives the team an overt advantage. Chemistry-wise, leadership-wise, analytics-wise, because he will he will at some point go against himself, and you're like, wait, you did that. I would, wait, say, I would say there's on, one area, hypocrite now. I would say the one Mojo? area would, the, the, besides Mojo and Watermelons, uh, would be experience that he has won a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I feel sure. like the, the players can respect him for that. And most you know, other coaches in the NFL can respect him that he has done it before. So, uh, you know, in terms of Jason Garrett, you know, he did it as a player, but he hadn't done it before. So it's like this method has never been proven to work ever. You know, at least McCarthy has kind of ri- raised the trophy before. And even the mojo thing and the watermelon thing, like, again, we're going to kick McCarthy in the nuts because we've decided McCarthy needs to be kicked in the nuts. Every player I've seen talk about the stupid Gallagher bit, enjoyed it, thought it was hilarious. Players went up and partook in it. The mojo moment outside of Dak Prescott not being in a joking mood because his arms hurt, <laughs> every player's reaction to it was, yeah, this is cool. Like, Groovy, baby. Yeah, kick him in the nuts if you want to, but the players respond to the things that we kick him in the nuts for. All right, let's play mojo. Here we go. All right, good morning, everyone. All right, a couple things here. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, okay? Pay attention, turn it up. Austin Powers always defeats me because he has mojo. Mojo? Mojo. The libido, the life force, the essence, the right stuff, what the French call a certain, I don't know what. (laughs) At whatever point in practice, okay? There's going to be a mojo moment when it's time for additional confidence, charisma, and performance, no matter what the situation. I think I smell a mojo moment coming. It's time for a mojo moment! Real quick. Austin Powers. Real quick on, on, on what Jeff just said, though. When you talk about the players responding to it, though, I think my one issue I have with that is, are they responding in the right way? 
And the reason why I say that is because I just haven't seen them really particularly play that well almost the entire time he's been that coach. Like, when have they really, like, really played well? Well, they did. Even when their, Dak was healthy, they didn't, they didn't really have their play football well. Players. I'm talking even when Dak with Dak. That was four and a half games. Like it, I think. Okay, so I'm with KT, and then I think some head coaches can have a positive impact on your ability to win games, and I think some can have a negative impact. Hell, I think Garrett did. Sure. But I would say, boy, sign me up for it's 85 percent players and 15 percent coaching, and maybe it's more on the players because like Mike McCarthy didn't tell Zeke to fumble. Mike McCarthy didn't tell Dak to turn the ball over early in the games, early in the season. The head coach can't hold the ball for you. He can't throw it to your own team for you. He can't do that. No, but, is, but these are things that you can also be working on. There is a little part of me that kind of thinks that maybe Zeke kind of fell off last year. Not, not to say that he hasn't had bad years before, but clearly last year was his worst year is because things were different. And I don't know that there was maybe, and and maybe that at the professional level, guys don't, coaches shouldn't have to be in your stuff all the time. But I wonder if maybe the change in coaching staff had something to do with that too, where he just wasn't on the screws, like maybe in, in previous times and things like that. So then, uh, then do you give McCarthy credit for Zeke being in the best shape of his life now? Is that, does he get credit and blame? Or well, I also, blame? I also don't think he's in the best shape of his life. He's not in better shape than he was in 2016. I don't care what anybody says. There's just, we will not see 2016 Zeke. Well, he again. can't be the same player because running backs can't be the same player anymore after they've had 2000 carries. Sure. Sure. He just can't be the same guy. But this is, I think this is the first offseason, and here, let's get reckless. I think this is the first offseason in his career that Zeke's given half a crap about being in shape when it was time to play. Because up until this point, it was just natural. It was DNA. And finally, it was like he heard enough, and he was like, oh, crap, I'm not awesome. And he's like, I'm going to have to try hard. It's like learning that you can't, like, go stay out till 2 in the morning anymore. And that's that's a rough lesson. You know, it's a, and you know what? He's about that age where that happened for probably all of us, I would imagine. Nah, he's got um, three or four more years. I, I, I want to be, I want to be quick on this McCarthy thing, but because what I want to say is the thing that I'm kind of looking for more than anything is less chaos, like weird, a twelve man penalties or a strange uh, penalty th- or, or are you decision talking about making. Like, yeah, are you talking about like odd decision making, the fake punt, things like are that? Are you talking about like more <laughs> times where you have um, only? 11 guys on the field, not less, not more. Those I'm just, things? Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. talking about less head-scratching head things right, in right, games. Right, Yeah, those and would be interesting, yes. very easy to pick on him for the things that happened last year. The problem for me is a lot of those things that happened last year are things that happened the last five or six years in Green Bay. It's like, what has changed here? Nothing, really, except that someone else is running the offense, which I think should be the case. And I'm happy with that. And it, I, again, I, giving McCarthy over Garrett, McCarthy's a capable head coach. It's not who I wanted America's team to choose, but he's a capable head coach. He's not some bumbling idiot. But Austin Powers. Yeah, I mean, dude, Austin Powers would be a great golfer name, though. Austin Powers. Um, Okay, off the top of your how guys' many, head. How what many of movie? those guys were alive when Austin Powers the Spider Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. If you guys were the coach right now or McCarthy came to you and was like, hey, I'm trying to play something that's going to be like, we're going to tie it in with like a movie and it's going to be about like a key moment in the game. And so when this 
bit plays. We're gonna we're gonna break everybody off to this one area, and we're gonna you know focus in on like two minutes or something like that. What movie would you think of? Because I can guarantee you, Austin Powers would not be. No, but think about it this way, because remember what you had. We've gone from Springsteen to Austin Powers, so we have moved yeah, forward okay. a couple of decades. We're making progress. Two decades, yeah. It's not U2 references anymore. Yeah, James because Taylor. Honestly, and I don't know, because I realize at 37, I'm an old man to NFL players, because I, you know, once in a while, I'll ask them on the radio about, like, video games or something, and sometimes, from multiple guys, the answer's been, uh, you know, or, like, what do you watch? And the answer is like, you know, and they name these characters from anime, which I don't even right. know the genre, much less the characters involved, and so it's like... I don't know. I feel like you need to have a coach on the staff that's like 24 years old to tell you what to play for the players. But I think I think also in a way, I think I think that like McCarthy is doing that with the because they could easily just do like call it like a key moment. And then when that happens, we're all going to go do two minute drill or we're going to do this red zone thing. I think he does that to kind of like break things up and kind of make it kind of fun because it's kind of monotonous in camp. And in a way, I think that's a little bit too of how, why you get John Fossil talking to those guys about a vasectomy because it kind of is, it breaks it up instead of just always being like, all right, now we're going to talk about this. And then on this play, we're going to do this and this and this. And it kind of keeps the guys like loose because, you know, I've just heard from many a coach, not just in football, that like one of the biggest things that you have to do with players is not only do you got to get the message across, but you got to get it across real quick because yeah. the attention span is not there. So the longer you're keeping them in these rooms and the longer you're putting this stuff up there, the quicker guys are going to be like thinking about other things or not even paying attention to what you're saying. So it's got to be boom, 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 quick, quick things, get on to the next thing, keep it kind of fun, keep it kind of loose. And so I, I get why you would, you would do something like that. Yeah. And, and John, I'm glad you brought that up because one other takeaway I had from the first episode was you know, I've watched all the hard knocks in the past and I've seen, like, I've been around the Cowboys enough to, with, in the Garrett era. This felt more like a high school, like, high school practice, high school vibe, more than in years past, more than even other hard knocks that I've seen, other Cowboys teams. This did seem more of, like, you know, just the having fun and, like, you know, everything that, that they talk about because we've heard players talk about, like, okay, once you're in the NFL, like, yes, it's still business. But they talk back to college and uh, college and high school ball of like that was fun. This is a business. Like yes, we're still playing football, but it's different. So I did get more of a high school football vibe from from that whole episode as well. Can we do the Micah Parsons call real quick? Here's my Micah Parsons thoughts before we play this. Uh, yeah, looks fast. It's awesome when other players are talking about how how great you are. But what I'll say is. Man, you got to stop headbutting your your teammates. Dude, we're trying to avoid head injuries in this league, and Jabril Cox doesn't need you headbutting him all the time. Hey, relax, and let's keep your neck in check for the next 15 years. That's my Michael Parsons thoughts. Other than that, he was highly entertaining. Yeah, don't get toasted by a, by a backup running back, too. No, you're fine. Hello? Yo, Mike, it's DQ. Yo. All right, so tell me about on the bison. What can you do with your alignment? Widen out. <laughs> yeah, that way you can fucking edge set and turn the ball back into all the big guys. Hey, that's the ones we learned from, and you got some of the ones in. And uh, the ones I'd say on the mobile, like be super fucking aggressive. That's your call to go fucking dog somebody. All right, can I get one more? Nope, that's it for tonight. I'm just getting, like, warmed up, yeah, adjusted. Me too. me too. So that's it. 
All right. That was not enough. I agree. But uh, we get an extra one, so you'll get plenty next week. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Peace. All right. This sucks. I was just starting to feel comfortable. He wouldn't let you play anymore if you asked him. <laughs> I also thought it was kind of interesting after the fact of how many people on social media in particular were like critical of Leighton Van Der Esch for telling Micah Parsons that you can't make every single play. Like, and then people are saying like, don't listen to him. He gets hurt all the time. Go out there and make every, that's not really how, okay. Can LeBron James do that on a basketball court with like four other teammates? Yeah, probably LeBron could probably, I mean, he probably still shouldn't do that, but he possibly could get away with it. Whatever. 11 guys are on the field. Like if your linebacker is trying to make every single play, that's like a little bit of what went into the problems last year on defense where guys were like, all right, well, this guy's out of, out of place, so I'm going to have to try and go make this play too, even though that's not where I'm supposed to be on here. That leads to like tons of problems here if guys are doing it. And, and it kind of even touched on a little bit what Dan Quinn said there about what are you supposed to do on Bison where you're supposed to widen out. That's because sometimes your play is to just redirect everything inside because if you go inside then that leaves the entire outside and no one's out there and then that's how you give up a big play so I did think that that was kind of interesting the way I think Leighton was getting hated on by fans because he's been hurt I don't know that you get the same reaction if that was and even Sean Lee Sean Lee, even, even though Sean, Sean Lee's yeah. been hurt yeah I think even yeah. with Sean Lee I think people aren't as critical but if, if huh and and hey it was bad with Leighton Imagine how bad it would have been if that was Jalen telling him that. Oh. oh, my God. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's funny because, like you said, you could rewind 30 seconds. What this is is it's the fan base responds to certain people certain ways, and no matter what the story is, that's what's going to happen. So if it's Jalen, it'll be negative. If it's Leighton, I feel like he's one that's still kind of split, that some people like him a lot, but hurt means that some people don't like you. And it's like, if so if you're telling Leighton that he was in any way wrong, then rewind the tape 30 seconds and tell Dan Quinn to stop correcting Micah Parsons because he just told him the exact same thing because he was telling him you need to be wider for what? So you could say, I believe what he said was set the fucking edge so the big guys can make a play. In other words, on that play, Micah Parsons tried to make the play. And that meant that they got outside of Micah Parsons and it hurt your team because you were trying to make every play. Dan Quinn said the exact same thing Leighton did, but we like Dan Quinn. So Leighton's an idiot and everything that Dan Quinn said is fine. And there's no disconnect there because we so-and-so and and we like so-and-so. Oh, and real quick, I do believe as long as he stays healthy by the end of this season, fans will be back to liking the Wolf Hunter. I think he's going to have a really big year. I really do. Uh, I I think he's very bought in uh, into the whole Dan Quinn thing. I think he's bought into being, you know, taking on more of a leadership thing. He he does remind me in a way, even though they're not the same, but he does remind me a way in Sean Lee. Like if he can just stay healthy, I think Leighton Vander Ash, like if you tell me that all the linebackers are healthy at the end of the year, Micah Parsons plays the most snaps and in a close second is Leighton Vander Ash. He's not going to come out the field either. So I think, I think, I think fans are going to come back around on him. If that's true, Keanu Neal won't play much, and that and that yeah. and that's a possibility. That's but. fine. That's fine. He doesn't have to play. I just wonder um, because the first third down they got to in the first preseason game, it was Keanu Neal and Micah Parsons. That was your nickel, and so yeah, I think Jalen and Layton are playing on your standard rundowns and on passing downs. We'll see because I do think Layton's more capable than Jalen in that scenario. Yeah, but we'll see. Does Dan Quinn pop Keanu Neal in for Layton? 
or does Leighton stay on the field? But maybe more comfortable with Keanu Neal doing that for sure. But I also think uh, this team runs more three linebackers than they have in previous years. Uh, let's go to the McCarthy speed. Oh, you got to play humoring McCarthy. Yeah, this there? one's really I'm short. Seven. This one's really short. Uh, tell me if you think this coach was humoring Mike McCarthy here. Calm before the storm. The individual drills on padded. That's days. right. Oh, yeah. You know, it's quiet out here. It's really quiet. It's so quiet when he. That's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that amazing how it, everything changes when you put the pads on? That's a great thought. Oh, yeah, you're the best coach. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I will say Andy Bernard, you know, just I, I, mirror the personality, mirror the personality. I'm going to take I, this job. Accidental McCarthy Homer here. Why don't you play it again? Because the first guy to say it's quiet out here wasn't McCarthy. McCarthy picked up on other coach. Okay. Calm before the storm. The individual drills on padding. That's right. Oh, yeah. you know, it's quiet out here. It's really quiet. It's so quiet when he. Wow. Good observation. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say this. I don't know that I've been around anybody that's more positive on a regular basis than John Fossil like that. Everything that you see in John Fossil in this show is how he is all the time. Like no matter what, like I was, I was kind of interested to see how he was going to be the first time we talked to him at camp. Cause it was the first time we were going to be around him since his, his dad passed away. And his dad is just huge influence on his life for more than just, you know, obviously football, but obviously being his father and they very close and, and it was an unexpected uh, death in that. And even, during that press conference, like you would tell he was really sad talking about the beginning, but like, you know, five, six minutes in, he was back to being, you know, John Fossil. I can just, I see why, you know, you want a guy like that in your coaching staff. He always just seems to, you know, like, like I said, what you saw in there is him all the time. He's always on. That's how John Fossil always is. Uh, Let's play the speech with McCarthy. And I just think it's funny that he tells you that family is all that matters in this world, and then tells you five seconds later that winning is the only thing that matters. It's hard not to reflect on what we went through last year. All right? This is, fuck last year. <laughs> You've seen the schedule. We have four preseason okay? games, 17 regular season games, and then we got the tournament. Okay, that's what this thing's all about. So let's not waste each other's time here because we don't have a lot of time yes. doing the hard stuff that we need to do to get to where we want to go. Charlie Fuckeron, he don't work here, okay? High school Harry, huh? get his ass out the fucking door, all right? This is about winning. It's about winning the world championship, period. Period, because that's all matters. Going to playoffs ain't good enough. Having a winning season, not good enough. Getting to the championship game, not good enough, okay? Because it takes everybody. And you may be tired of hearing this. I've been part of one championship team. I've stood in front of one championship team. It took 77 men to win a world championship. And that's just the way this thing goes. And once you hold that fucking trophy up, I'm going to tell you right now, it's fucking heavier than you think it is. What? It's heavier heavier than you think it is. So, KT, just real quick. I, I, I found that. I picked up on that, too. But I think what he was basically doing, because he was talking about his wife and his kids and everything like that. And then he was talking about the team. I think he met family like the football family, like, you know, like collectively. The way that he kind of ended that was like, you know, 77 people to win a championship. I think he he merged the lines of football family versus personal family in, in that. Yeah, because most head football coaches, I'm going to break a story here, are probably um, ooh reckless and so irresponsible to say bad fathers and bad husbands. Their I mean, family is the football team. 
It Jimmy is. Johnson, Jimmy Johnson told you exactly how it was at his Hall of Fame speech. He did. You don't have I mean, time. Garrett doesn't even but have Mike kids. might. Mike might. But most coaches don't uh-huh. have time. Yeah. Why sure. Mike? <laughs> well, because he doesn't run the offense or the defense. He just has to check the numbers after practice, make sure we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing, dial Dak back, let him get in the locker room. He, you can handle that in an eight-hour shift. I thought you were a fan of his. I, th- that's where we get mixed up. I'm just, I don't hate him yet. So I, I, so I sound either. like I sound like a fan because I defend him from things that I think have nothing to do with him, but it's just like, let's kick him in the nuts some more. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out who Charlie fuck around is. <laughs> yeah. What if a guy just stood up and walked out at that moment? He's like, that was I me. think it's Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why can't that guy hold down a sustainable relationship long-term? Uh, Charlie's out fucking around again. Um, Maybe it was Mike Nolan. Who knows? Who's high school <laughs> Harry? High, high school Harry should play Tabasco college Mike, ball first. Get out of here! Yeah, <laughs> like, go play high, go play college ball first, and then get on the. How did he get on the team? College Chuck. College Chuck. I'm surprised they didn't. Connor. I'm surprised they didn't use that moment for the uh, open. You know, they always use a, a, a fiery speech for the opening of Hard Knocks, and they didn't do it. I thought they, I yeah. liked the opening the way that they did. With yeah, it was good. It was good with Dak. I like that. I, I did. I did enjoy that. But uh, for the record, like, yeah, we, we didn't know. More. We didn't know what second surgery like that day or anything but it was like pretty well known that he had a second surgery like within i don't know like a month of that not even a month it was like a few weeks it was but it was sold as like it was told to like it was a cleanup or whatever like that which and it wasn't a big deal because everyone was like yeah we kind of figured that because of the fact that like when they went in there initially it was going to be like hey we're trying to just reset everything and make sure this wound is clean so that he doesn't have alex smith you know it doesn't turn into alex smith part two uh, I, I never thought that it was like, I don't know, like the way he said it was like, oh, nobody knew about that. Like, I don't know. I think a lot of people kind of knew about that, but okay. One um, um, one clip that I didn't cut because it was kind of overshadowed by the salty McGriddle was when Jerry was talking to the trainer. And what I just wanted y'all's thoughts on, on Jerry asking the trainer, you know, his quarterback is hurt. If his quarterback can throw small passes – but not long passes. What did you guys think of staged analysis analysis staged? Yeah, I think I, to me that was a hundred percent staged because I asked some people and if Jerry walks 50 yards, he can walk in and talk to Jim Maurer. And I think that was to show Jerry Jones GM because he's not, but it was like, well, here I am. I'm on the phone with the trainer talking about the quarterback. Like I'm, I'm, I'm writing doing the notes, work, writing some notes, eating a McGriddle. Yep, I think that the Jerry parts are staged. It's TV. Well, I will say this uh, about Jerry. Um, I've heard that Jerry uh, really didn't wasn't thrilled about some of like the long bomb stuff that they were doing in practice the day that Dak, uh, you know, tweaked his arm or whatever like that. They were doing throwing some bombs and things like that, and uh, just working on some late game situation things. So that's why when I watched it, that just was the first thing I thought about was how yeah. Jerry's probably wondering if he can just do like some intermediate throws and things like that, just so that they can run the offense without him, you know, chucking it down the field. Cause I can, I'll tell you this at the end of, towards the end of Romo's career, when they would do those type of things, uh, Romo would just pretend like he was like throwing the ball. Like everybody would run down and they get in their positions where, and then he would just pretend like he would just go through a motion with his arm, but he would never even like, like launch it or anything like that. Fire um, one off the jugs machine. Right. Right. So I think that's, uh, the other thing about that whole conversation though, is, uh, 
So like, I don't know if you guys are like breakfast people. I'm not at all. And so I almost never eat breakfast. I'm just not hungry before like 11 a.m. And I really am not like like a breakfast sandwich person. I woke up this morning at 8.30 and went to McDonald's and got... Um, no, I didn't, I didn't get a McGriddle. Oh, I got like a sausage, sausage, sausage biscuit with cheese. Like, and I don't even know if that sandwich he had was from McDonald's. But that just shows, man. Like that product placement stuff works. Like it gets in it your brain. Yeah. And oh, that you was can't the get that. Was it and for they sure? They blurred out the logo it, because they blurred so out the logo on oh, the on the that's why. Okay. Because I everybody everybody still figured it out. So I'm wondering, like, does McDonald's give you money for oh, that? Oh, you can see or? the syrupy uh, the syrupy uh, pancake uh, bread there. They weren't fooling anybody. Right. That's why I wonder is like, is that they blurted out because they're not getting paid by McDonald's or were they still getting paid by them because people were going to figure out it was a McGriddle? I don't know. There's just some different places out there, you know, because they knew if Jerry was eating it, everybody would want it. That's why they were like, they're not giving McDonald's free advertising. That's what it was. Yeah. I was like, is this, is this something new from the habit or something? Like, is this something from only a fast food chain? Maybe Jerry made them blurt out because the Cowboys have a lot of, a lot of deals that they can't, Jerry can't be seen with. Any uh, anything that's not PepsiCo I did, or I, anything, you know, that kind of thing. So as soon as they zoomed in on that shot over his shoulder, the first thing I was like, "Oh, I wonder if we can zoom in and see what's on this papers that are here." And then I saw that those were all like blurred out too, like all the papers that were on the desk, like where he was doodling, and he had a, c- a couple other things on there. We need to do a but, salty McGriddle challenge, John. Hell no. John, <laughs> no. if if you lose the bet this year, you're eating a salty McGriddle. On I can't on even air. remember. That's fine. I will, but I can't even remember the last time I actually grabbed a salt shaker and put salt on anything oh my god how do wow. you season your food dude what goes on a steak have you do I, you make steaks i don't make any food i okay I, I buy every everything that i eat i don't make anything so and wherever i'm buying it from i'm already like hey there's probably enough sodium there's probably enough salt on here i'm not adding any more you know and, or, and if i went to a place and like french fries didn't have much salt on, i'd be like yeah that's fine i don't need to throw any more on here you got to come to the house, make some skirt steak, get some fajitas for you there, John. I don't make anything. Out. I buy all of my food. Like I don't. I don't even make sandwiches. I buy every. I eat out every meal. Boy, that athletic money doesn't fuck around, does no, it? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you got well, a Costco membership. <laughs> we have a game. What Friday night? We got the Cardinals yep. preseason game two. What are you thinking, Kent? Next week we're back. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, with Hard Knocks episode two and any notes coming out of the game. Dak, shoulder update. Uh, John, I guess what's what's the latest on that? Because we saw this MRI stuff coming coming out on Twitter very like right when we got on the air. So Yeah, he John, said, I'll handle this for you. John, yeah, let me handle this for you. Go ahead. They own an MRI machine. You should give guys MRIs all the time. <laughs> like it's like, oh, he must still be hurt. He's getting an MRI. No, they have access to an MRI machine. Use it. Yeah, I don't think that they would have him ramping up his throwing. I don't even think they'd have him throwing if his arm was still bothering, much less ramping up what he's done from yesterday to t- till today. Um, so I find it hard to believe that it's anything serious. To be honest with you, I, I think the only reason that it kind of is even being talked about right now is because of the headline that the team website <laughs> put out there where it was like, it's okay, this isn't a big deal. And I just know that like some people gravitated to that, like, oh, wait, what is this? And I mean, just at his press conference, when he said it, it was very like, yeah, no, no, I'm getting MRI this week. And then went right back into talking how he's ramping things up and they're doing this and they're doing that and stuff like that. 
I can tell you this, if, if there was anything serious where let's say even he was ramping up and he threw more today and he was like, oh, it didn't feel right. All right, everybody just hold on here. He would already they, got the they MRI. They have MRIs in, in, <laughs> in California too. He's already he's already had one. Like they would just do it right now. He's just saying like once they get back there, they're just going to do it again to, to check it out. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know the severity of where this can lead to, but it just doesn't seem like something that's, that would lead to, to me, it sounds like it would lead to him having to play in pain. And obviously, you don't want that. You can just go back two years ago, and I know it was an AC joint, but that Eagles game, he obviously didn't play well in that game. You know, not practicing that week, not really throwing, not in the best interest for him. I just, I don't know. I'm just not as, as alarmed as other people are. I think the only reason that some people are alarmed is because the way Mike McCarthy and another said right away, they were like, you know, we're going to just rest him for a couple days. And then it ended up being like, well, we're going to rest him for like a couple weeks. But that kind of was always going to be a possibility just because it's only training camp right now. If this happens in the regular season, I just really don't think that they would have dialed him back like this. Well, um, anyone have closing thoughts? Anything anything they want to get off their chest here? Um, Because really, you know, I'm excited that we have a second preseason game that actually you can kind of maybe take a little more out of because I really don't have any thoughts on the Hall of Fame game. So Yeah, one thing thing for me is like I just – Ben DiNucci, like, I, I don't know, like, like it's just, it's just, it's just so bad. And also, like, how is he, how is he this deep into his football career, and no one has corrected that throwing motion? Because, like, it, it's, I mean, if it works, then fine, you don't need to tinker with it. But this dude, I, I don't understand what, what, what that he has to just be a camp arm and, you know, whatever. But it's just, uh, you know, it, 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 the Nooch experience is not going well. My thing on that is like if you look at the entire roster right now, and then you know I heard today with what Stephen was on 105 through the fan talking about how like they got like 65 guys that can make the 53. When I when I look at this roster, even if it is and, and Stephen said normally it's 58 or, or around there, I just can't. There's just so many position groups that I'd be like, you're keeping Danucci over this guy. Like there just are so many other areas that this team needs like the extra depth, particularly on defense. That they, I'm need just to keep like, seven, they need to keep seven corners. Right, right. At least, you know? I mean, you look at the corner depth and Brown, Lewis, Diggs, Kelvin Joseph, Nashawn Wright, Maurice Kennedy, and C.J. Goodwin's going to be on the team. Yeah. You yeah, got to wh- keep seven corners. Yeah, what do you keep at nine offensive linemen so you can keep Ben DiNucci? Like, why no, would you DiNucci's do that? DiNucci's the worst. He's the worst pro player I've ever seen, and I hate to, like, <laughs> attack players. <laughs> I, I, I would much rather no analyze. Yeah, I, I as long as you say no offense, you're fine. With all due respect, <laughs> yeah. I would much rather analyze players and talk about where they were good and where they were bad. But Danucci's the worst pro football player. I've been to now, I don't know, like seven or eight Cowboy camps. He's the worst player I've ever seen at a Cowboy camp, and yet he got brought back a second time, and he's not any better. He's the worst player I've ever seen. So to me, that's the one big knock still on McCarthy is – Everybody he hired to be on his staff his first go-round failed miserably, and they had to fire them all. The quarterback that he handpicked because he was like church league basketball player for his brother or something is still hanging around, and he can't play. Terrence Steele, like he talks about Danucci and Terrence Steele, his guys, where it's like, boy, I got to tell you, weight room champions of the offseason taking huge strides. I watch them practice. I watch them play. They're awful. So you don't get to do personnel anymore, and you don't get to hire people anymore. Just go be a coach. Uh, do you guys think Micah Parsons can keep this up for a 10-year career? 
I just think that there's just so many collisions and so much craziness that happens at linebacker. And and obviously luck has to be. I, I mean, I, if somebody was like, which player that you've covered like has put the most into everything from nutrition to just things that they've done off the field so that they can be healthy. For me, nobody so, topped Sean Lee, and he still got hurt all the time. So I mean, there's only so much you can do, but there are just so many car wrecks and so many collisions when you play linebacker that I when I'm when I watch him play, and it was only two series in that Steelers game. I'm just like, man, if this guy if this guy does this, it's almost like Zeke his rookie year. You're just like, man, if this guy can keep doing this forever, like even even when he makes mistakes, you're like. Yeah, you'll take that because, man, this guy is all over the place. He might yeah. be mom and dad guy, though. Sometimes it's mom and dad. Like, back in the day, I think, uh, because we weren't as good at medicine, you might have weeded out hurt guys before you got to the NFL. Parsons' body might just not break. I do go to, like, what KT was saying. Like, they didn't draw much attention to it, and I think they meant to show it on Hard Knocks as a look at how fired up this guy is. But that was weird. To be the two-hand shove a teammate in the chest, like, pad check, and then start smashing people with your helmet head-to-head, and they're all, like, backing up, like, no, 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 no. And he's like, oh, okay, but I'll get you. Ha! And it's just like, <laughs> dude, like, I appreciate the fire and the passion and the fact that you are a freaking animal on the field, but we got we to gotta up our common sense factor just, just a smidge. He goes, hey, man, that's why you went to North Dakota State and I went to Penn State. And I was like, that's not a badge of honor anymore, man. You don't want to be known for that. There's some reports about you at Penn State. I don't yeah. know, man. If he can keep it up, though, like I said, even if he makes but, mistakes and overruns plays, he's going to be a damn good player. You know, my number for running backs in terms of effect, effective years, and it's obviously this is kind of broad, but it's like four is kind of my number where I think running backs can be super effective four years. My number at linebackers, the maximum number of years they can be effective is now eight years. I don't see many linebackers. What's Bobby Wagner? At age 29, 30, Bobby Wagner is an exception to the rule, of course. Okay, sorry. But they don't see many linebackers in their early, early 30s who are elite level, top of the game at their position. You don't right. see it very much. No, you also don't see as many linebackers as you used to. And that's a part of the, the game as well. I mean, the, the Zeke thing, like, you're counting on Zeke to break my four-year thing, right? How many effective years, like, really strongly effective years have Zeke had? Three? Henry and Chubb are breaking that right now, aren't they? I mean, you're not Henry wrong. Henry is. Like, I don't know about Chubb yet. I guess, what is he, five in? Something like that? But, yeah, they, and they both might be right on the brink. Right. Uh, maybe. And, Zeke, the, and they Henry both might be right year. on the brink. But they're going. The bigger thing is running back doesn't matter, you know? Just get a different guy. Different guy. Rico Dowdle at 500 grand is infinitely better than Zeke at 13. Hey, he was a a fun little player right there, Rico. That's what I'm saying. I'm not taking a shot. Like, he looks like a capable NFL player. He makes 500 grand. You don't have to pay running backs. Chill out, guys. Well, I don't think – I think because of what's happened, not just with Zeke, but the rest of the league, I think it – It'll be a long time before the Cowboys pay another linebacker. I mean, another running back. And and it's it's the, the stuff that's happened in the league. But then it's also just like it's just t- like the I don't know. I feel like it's a Cowboys thing too. Like when they make a mistake or something like that, they go a long time without like doing that same thing again. I just and and plus you got to look at with Zeke too. Like if Mike McCarthy is a coach in 2016, they're taking Jalen Ramsey. They're not taking Ezekiel. Ezekiel Elliott was taken there because that's he was the piece for Jason Garrett's offense. Like that. 
that's why that happened there. And for then Jason Garrett and Tony Romo. Like, right. And, and yeah. that's also why he got paid because, you know, Jason Garrett needed Ezekiel Elliott to have the success that Jerry desperately wanted Jason to have. So, but yeah, going forward, I just don't see, I, I mean, really anybody like, I mean, even the Christian, like even the, yeah, the Christian McCaffrey's and like the Alvin Kamara's like, it's hard to even pay like those guys and they even fit better in today's system. I just, I don't, after after this Zeke contracts up or whenever they part ways with Zeke, I, I, I agree with Jeff. I think they're gonna they're gonna go pretty pretty lean at, at running back for a long time. All right, everyone, thank you uh, for hanging out, Jeff. It's great to have you on the podcast for the first time. We're trying to get I you for years. Such a tough I miss get. you. Don't tell anybody I was here, but I love you and I miss you. No one will ever know. Um, <laughs> there he is, Jeff Cavanaugh. Follow him at JC1053 on I'm going to put this on my YouTube channel. No one will see it. Yeah, yeah. follow his YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, for Saad Youssef, for Father John Mashoda, and for our producer Kent Garrison, I'm KT, and we will be back next week for the next edition of About Them Cowboys. Bye. Austin Powers, 